Hello everyone and welcome back to Gathering of Gotchas, the only podcast that focuses exclusively on the games your parents don't want you to play. I'm Galen, the sound guy Firestone. I'm Ronico. And I'm Dez. Yo everybody, what's up? What is up? A lot of things? A lot of things. Most? Uh, on the day of recording, today is election day here in the States. Uh, Hooray! Things are going on. Yes, and they are. And in France, it's Wednesday, my dudes. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is well, late as heck for you, isn't it? We better get yeah, started then. That's true. Uh, all right, well. well th this is fine. I still have a fair amount of hours uh, of attention ahead of me. Well, so let's. We'll uh, be fresh and ready to talk about all of our five with Gacha Game. Yep, and starting as usual with FFBE. Let's do it. F FFBE with the Halloween celebration unit. Yay! I've always liked the Halloween like time yeah, of the year in this game. Yeah, but they're allowing themselves to try a lot of things, some of which don't necessarily land, such as Gadria. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's plenty uh, to like, uh, even though I haven't got any single Halloween unit before that. This is not the case anymore, I'll return to that a little bit later, but for now let's talk about the new and shiny things. Okay. And they, they got out the big guns with the newest Envy uh, base unit, Ibarra. Yeah, uh, with, my understanding is she is global exclusive and CG. Yeah, she's new vision, global exclusive, with a big fancy CG, and... Uh, also, she's good. I, I like this combo. I'm happy with yeah, this. Yeah, me too. Uh, so, uh, this mystical tree demon uh, has a TMR that is probably one of the most basic mage TMRs you could make. Okay. 60 magic, 5% which and MP per turn. Yeah, that Boom. sums it up nicely. There's nothing really too weird about Sounds that. Simple to me. Yeah. Uh, STMR is a 180 magic throwing weapon with 50% innate to dual wheel. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the big prize, as far as items go, however, is the vision card. Because uh, we're looking for. A lot of people were looking forward to Sol coming out. Because his vision card is very good for mages with 100 base ma magic and some good passive. Mm -hmm. Well, Ibarra came two weeks before Sol. We know he's coming uh, at this point uh, in a couple of days. And she has a vision card with 110 base magic. <laughs> and 50% uh, magic uh, uh, true double hand. And a 50% so magic better. passive for female units. That sounds pretty so, straightforward and pretty excellent. A yeah. lot better for females, especially. Indeed. From understanding here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, strong passives. Also, I just noticed this ancient mystical tree demon can wield guns for some reason. Because sometimes, I guess, you just have to. I, I Sometimes you just have to bust a cap, I guess. Yeah. 
Is there a good magic gun in the game? Like, that feels weird. Uh, there will be with uh, Mage Fisalis coming out eventually. Okay. So that's just a very strange option, but forward thinking. Yeah. It's future proofing and it's hilarious. Fair enough. Uh, now then, as far as the unit herself goes, uh, she has a main form that's uh, mostly uh, centered around lightning damage, okay. with uh, both bolting strike and curse were awakened, and it's okay. It's fine. It has some very strong cooldowns, including one that integrates an eighty percent spirit break. Uh, and she has some killers for human and fairies, but it's fine. It's the kit of a good mate. Okay. Then uh, you shift her to her breath shift form, and she becomes uh, uh, well on her main kit, mostly centered around dark damage with similar effectiveness. Makes sense for a demon. And also her LB becomes a two-hit enormous nuclear options that make her basically a magic Tifa. Oh, okay. Okay. And given that Tifa was so good, she was actually used on magic stages for Dark Visions as a physical unit with an innate 80% damage reduction and still was usable there. Having a magic option for something like that is very good. I can fact, see been, that being useful. Yeah, in fact, there's been videos uh, where basically somebody just took any barrier on trials and just had her one shot everything. Sounds about right. Okay. So, yeah, she's solid in that regard. Some just goes. Uh, Shift, boom, thank you for playing. You do need a little bit, a little bit of support to uh, to uh, make the most out of it. Um, sure, I mean, that's usually the case. You usually have to have the support for most things to make the most out of it. Going back yeah. a step, Geister in the chat says, Good Magical Guns, Blue Storm from Four Winds Fasalis. Which I yeah, think exactly. is what Renica was referring to. Uh, isn't that Tetra Vassalis? Uh, actually, uh, actually, uh, yes, does, uh, this one is good. And I was already thinking ahead to the new Vision Vassalis that's coming out eventually, and that also is going to be a gun mage. Because I guess that's her thing now. I guess. Well, I don't think she's a mage in her free duo unit with Charlotte. Uh, it's hard to keep track. I gotta be honest. Oh, yeah. When they and, decide uh, they like I, a character, there's usually like and, 16. And I'm sparing you some details. Did you know in JP, single units can chain now? Like, with themselves? What? Yeah, I know. Okay, I'm... I don't have the brain power for this. <laughs> okay, then let's move on to... The other units that came uh, on the Halloween banners, uh, well, not the new units, but the Envy Awakenings. I have complaints, gotta be honest. 
Uh, yeah, and I imagine one of these complaints is they gave NVA to the wrong demon. I wouldn't have minded if it was both, but why only Lucius? I don't know. I like to think that uh, they might have Dutch Lily just for the sake of uh, not having arena players scream in panic. Because she was already enough of a pain uh, as she is. That's no excuse. She's amazing as a tank. Give us an NBA tank. Give us that NBA tank. Why? Anyway, go on. <laughs> okay, so we have uh, Grimlord Sakura, which writes her stuff like a witch uh, on uh, her Envy, uh, her Brave Shift, which is pretty nice. Okay. Uh, and uh, she gains a lot. Uh, she gains uh, abilities uh, even on her brave, uh, base form, such as uh, uh, physical type magic attacks, including one with a bolting chain that also put Mirage on the whole team. That's handy. Yeah. Uh, she also has uh, an ability that increases resistances to fire, lightning, light, and dark by 80%. 100% with a cooldown. Okay, uh, also very handy. Yeah, because uh, Sakura was always this uh, mix of strong mage and strong utility. Yeah, and she I'm was. glad they thought about uh, bringing both up to par. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, some fire chaining because where we can move. Uh... Even an alternate use for her Albi Crystal that includes a barrier, a full party auto revive, and a 50% general uh, damage mitigation for two turns. Nice! So, yes, some strong utility that makes her pretty flexible, a solid choice overall. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Her, she also can imbue Thunder with literal and Thunder. Yeah, as magic, which is unusual, yeah. but I like it. Me too. And then you can brave shift her, and at this point you have a stronger killer against human, demon, and reaper. Right. Uh, and they are only on caster, but they are both physical and magical because of her uh, uh, physical type magic damage skill. So but that, that would... as a side effect, means that it's better for Mastermind Zone, too. Oh, that's a good point. Never forget about Mastermind Zone. Uh, I mean, he's kind of impossible to forget. I think we talk about <laughs> him pretty much every week. Yeah. Uh, Still. And, she also and he's gets... been out a while. Yeah. And then she also gets uh, skills like the ability to imbue an ally with Dark Element... Uh, for this little bit of utility as well. And uh, that training move, similar to the fire training move. This time they've actually separated the fire chain and the dark chain instead of having a chain that's both elements at the same time. Thank you very much. I kind of thought that was cute and they followed that up with uh, the demons. And I thought that was also like in that realm I was kind of happy with, but 
I get why they yeah. want to go away from that for obvious reasons. Still, I did think yeah, it was and funny. It makes it really makes sense to do it as part of the brave ship. Yeah. And of course, the uh, LB is actually big damage with also a big dark imperil. So yeah, she's just a solid mage option for fire and dark damage. Sure seems that way. And has this uh, flexibility of having an option even if you're not using any of those two elements. Which And given that she has uh, some uh, ease uh, to get her and to get a lot of her uh, to compensate for the fact that she is a time-limited unit, she can be a strong option. Yeah, but we're gonna. We know they made it a little easier for us to get time limited units now, so we're gonna talk about yeah. that in a bit. Yeah. But before uh, we do, follow. let's move on to Demon Bro. Demon Bro, Lucius, who in his Brave Shift goes full edge mode. Yeah, I can see the sprite. lines and everything. Gotta be honest, it looks. It honestly looks like this sprite was drawn by someone completely different from the original artist. <laughs> like the art styles just do not look the same to me at all. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Uh, since I never was much of a Lucius fan in the first place, uh, I just. I uh, accept that he's kind of rare and that his role uh, in his uh, envy form. Shifts a little, but not in the best of way. Like, if he still can do pretty good damage. Uh, but he also gain uh, breaking moves. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, cool. 75% uh, break uh, for free turn as part of one of his chaining moves. Uh, with Divine Ruination, though. Yeah, he... He what was he on? He was on Kingsglaive. I remember that. I paired him with Nyx a lot because the game really liked giving me Nyx. Oh, well, I'd have liked to have some Nyx because uh, he's got some nice utility. Well, now it does. Uh, I don't see his yeah his Kingsglaive chains anymore. I think. Yeah, I think they were awakened out of existence last year. Well, that's a shame, but still, you know, good for him. Yeah. You know, he's he bolting strike, DR, still got his big AR AoE, which the good pair with it good pair with yeah, Lilith. He gets he gets bolting strike mostly in his brave shift form with uh, a dark and a fire chaining move uh, with HP sacrifice uh, that uh, he can use. Uh, and yeah, basically similar elements to uh, Sakura. And, uh, yeah, some breaks uh, that are 80% in his uh, Brave Shift form. Pretty nice. Not not the best, but pretty nice. Yeah. And uh, he's a bit half and half. Uh, he wants to do damage and he wants to do break. And as a result, he doesn't excel in any of those walls. Which is... That seems to be kind of a common theme if you're, yeah, you know... Doing a bunch of different things, it's usually you're not going to do any of them super well. Yeah. It's balance. It is. Yeah, no. Um, I always appreciate it when we get a lot of slot utility, and as I said, I, I ran the demons a lot. Um, so I was usually in a pretty good position to make use of 
like that slot utility they both had. Um, yeah. And so that kind of uh, slot efficiency continues here. But uh, aside from that, I don't think he has a lot for himself. No, it's I'm I'm looking over his skills. They seem usable, but nothing nothing that's nothing yeah. that jumps out. Yeah, and like if you're going to use Divine Ruination, which is his best family, you your partner choice are Tifa in another element, and that's pretty much it. Eh. Exactly. Well, that is... That is a shame. But at least you won't have uh, too much of a trouble getting him if you really want it. Because they brought out the big guns for this uh, banner. And... Like, yeah! No, that's... That's a good way to uh, make people actually pull for a banner that's mostly uh, five-star bases. Yeah. Don't have an NVA. Uh, because there's always this worry with NV uh, time limited units, especially since we don't have the shard dungeon yet. Mm hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, they brought out the big gun. So, first things first, the banner, which is pretty much all of the uh, Halloween exclusive units so far, uh, except uh, they didn't have uh, Ibarra as part of the. Uh, banner at any increased rate uh, which makes sense because her separate banner is still up right uh, so the 10 pool is a 4k lapis instead of 5k lapis it gives you a coin every time you pull uh, one coin can be traded for a prism two coins can be traded for a unit so you have guarantees and you also have a 35% to pull a unit. That's an on-banner rainbow. That's really nice. 35% yeah. is no joke. That is huge. With, with it really is. Phase 5's kind of being phased out in terms of importance, being able to play catch-up on older units like that is really, really good. Yeah, and especially don't sleep off some of these uh, TMRs because... Yeah. Uh, some like uh, Gadria's TMR or STMR are very solid still. You've got a lot of utility that can go around. Garton's TMR is almost as decent as uh, Madame Edel's STMR. Which is kind of gigantic. If a TMR yeah. is almost as good as an STMR, that's, that's a power play right there. That's no joke. Yeah. Indeed. So, yeah, it's just your shards in rainbows, and it feels awesome. And uh, you can only pull on banner rainbows, but you can pull NVs, and they can be uh, of uh, any of the NVs that uh, came out so far. So you don't even have the, I don't know if you want to spend with it, because the units you want for the other off banners are the NVs. And you're still going to get them. Okay. So if they can keep this wave throughout uh, the holiday banners and the likes, I think that's a very good plan. I'm yeah, very inclined to that. agree with that. Yeah, like, it's... They, they've knocked it out of the park. It's an awesome way to really resolve that. 
Yeah. And it wasn't an easy task to find the right balance, but... Uh, yeah, no, it's just... Uh, piece some stuff. Some of it is kind of old, but you get so much of, of it that you're like, ah, okay, I'll take this TMR. Sure, I'll take a Demon Rain. Yeah, I mean, even then, Demon Rain's TMR was, uh, for a very long time, exceptional. Like, that yeah, was... Yeah, and, and when he first came out, that was among the best offensive TMRs. Yeah. Did I ever get Demon Rain? No, it was Draco Laswell who I li who liked me. I didn't really like him that much, but he liked me <laughs> a lot. Yeah, yeah I right. remember that. I never got I, a Demon Rain either. I never had any single Halloween units, and I pulled uh, just a little. I used the tickets. In fact, there was a problem uh, where the tickets had to be disabled temporarily. What happened there? Because... Uh, yeah, because the four-star tickets only gave 10% rainbow rates instead of the 35%. Oof! The, the most fun part is uh, that there are 10% rainbows and 30% rainbows tickets that are worse than regular tickets on this banner specifically. That's... Wow. Huh. <laughs> 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 okay. Don't use your thirty percent or ten percent rainbow tickets, folks. Yeah, not on this banner anyway. Not on yeah. this banner is still up. That's that actually rates you down, which is bizarre. Yeah. Well, this yeah, is why I keep telling people: odd. just spend your tickets. That's what they're there for. Don't don't hoard yeah. them forever, because otherwise you end up with a situation like this, where the tickets themselves have been power crept, which is real odd. <laughs> No, you push it like that's power, yeah. power creeping tickets. Who would have thought? <laughs> I mean, especially if you take into account the EX tickets that now also have the EX NV tickets. Oh, which are exactly the same, except they have this 1.35% chance to drop an NV. Oh boy. Speaking of which, I did make one uh, 4,000 uh, lapis pool. And got uh, two NVs out of it, which is awesome. Except it's my uh, well, both Iris was nice because that's her HCMR. Yeah, and uh, fifth cloud because apparently the only NVs NV uh, units I can pull ever are Cloud, Iris, and Rain. Well, FF Seven likes you. Did you play remake? Uh, no, I can't. I don't have a PS4. Oh. Huh. That's yeah. a shame. Well, don't worry, Rena. I didn't play the remake either. For the same reason. So. Alright. It is coming to PC eventually. I assume it is. I mean, they, they said it is. what I hope for. They, yeah. they flat out said it's coming to Steam at some point. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I, I assume it is. Yep. Uh... Oh yeah, uh, in other smaller news uh, regarding NV units, we're also having a daily bonus, uh, which grants some tickets and uh, the usual rewards, but also some coins. Coins that you can trade in for shards. Ooh. Any NV units. And you get enough of it to basically be able to NV uh, EX plus one, uh, any of the NV units you might have pulled just a single one and couldn't really use to its fullest potential. And they give, uh, you can trade in the shards for 
both the uh, NV base unit and the NV awakened ones. And uh, it's still not the shot dungeon. Get us the shot dungeon. We know it's coming now. I think you've, uh, it's been confirmed in a uh, Q&A. I mean, it's okay. We can take it. We can take the shot dungeon. It's fine. Just give it to us. Uh, my only thought on that I think is that wants the shard dungeon. just the way coding works, they're probably trying not to break something else. It's always a risk when you deploy stuff early. I yeah. don't even think it's early. At this point, I think it's late. Never mind then. Uh, yeah, shard dungeon, please. <laughs> yeah. I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's the case. Uh, we'll have to double check on that for, yeah. uh, we'll have to double check on that for, uh, for next episode. Indeed. And thank you, Geister. I did try to make it a seductive fee for the Shard Dungeon. <laughs> if only to give a bit of different f difference from the usual anger fuel plea of why haven't you done that already, you incompetent hacks. It's it's a nice change of pace, I gotta say. <laughs> it's it's Agreed. an impressive change of pace. I appreciate it. Uh, now with the Halloween event, uh, they've not even just given us some units. There was also event bits, which were pretty fun too. Uh, where Ibarra's story was uh, playable as uh, a bit of an event with some rivalry with an onyoji. Okay. Uh, and the return of the Grave Hexvius uh, uh, boss battle, which was uh, hilarious, if only because of the solid name in the pan. Uh-oh. Grave Hexvius. Oh. I like it. Oh, God. We knew Galen oh, yeah. was going to love that one. Oh, yeah, and there was an interesting work regarding the Ibarra story event. Okay. Uh, so there were uh, battle stages and story stages in, the, uh, in between. And the story stages, of course, don't cost stamina. But they did reward you with EP points. Oh dear. For the progressive rewards. So you could just play the story stage, skip it, get 400 EP points, and repeat until you get every single last reward in that tracker without spending a single point of stamina. Oops. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, goof. So, That's a goof. Something tells me intern is at it again. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, was an oversight. Yeah, and there was this similar vibe uh, uh, because of the recent uh, guilt or boondoggle uh, where they a lot of people were worried it was going to be uh, fixed real soon but now we stayed there uh, a while I think it may even still be up and they just said screw it it's a feature now I mean, some things are just not worth fixing. They already had to fix the ticket thing. They're probably looking at this going, I don't know how to do this. This is just going to take too long and everyone's taking advantage of it anyway. Shrug. Yeah. Are there at least decent it's rewards just... for beating the stages themselves? Uh, 
Um, not, I think it's just a standard, uh, standard one time reward weight event like uh, pool. Okay. Maybe with some crafting materials. Nothing too exceptional. Basically. Okay. Well. <laughs> oof. Well, Oops. enjoy your free EP point fight. Pretty much. And then there is another Dark Vision. Now let's move on to Arknights. Okay. <laughs> another Dark Vision. Another <laughs> Arknights time. Another time. Okay. I understand I, you wanted to get I away from miss, that as quickly as possible. Let's go into Arknights. I miss, I miss Raid Boss, so, uh, boss uh, Survival Rush so yeah. much. So you've said. They did it once and it was awesome and I'll never let them forget but I won this back. If only because the music theme in this mode is awesome too. Oh, that's a good that's a good point, and actually brings us to Arknights. So our yeah. first full story event since Code of Brawl. We've had a lot of vignette events, and Children of Ursus, while also technically a vignette event, had a really good story, but that was a lot more interconnected than most are. This is the full on with a start, middle, and end. Um since Code of Brawl, which was like six months ago. And boy, how did they come out swinging. Twilight of Walumond is awesome. Oh, um, I agree with that. Yeah, the story is really rich. The characterization is solid. And we actually... A lot of the early events and early chapters in Arknights had a problem with 2B continued itis, where they kept throwing foreshadowing out in the sake for the sake of foreshadowing. Um, oh, so like World of the Visions then? I, I'm going to assume so. I'm not familiar with War of the Vision's story, but yeah, they, they would throw stuff at the wall to see what sticks for no good reason. But uh, this time, we actually have the payoff of some of that. Yeah, and story writer, it's fine if it's you fine. give something payoffs every now and then. It really it's is. It's fine to resolve things. Please do. It feels nice. So, once upon a time, there was the great hero we all deserve and love, Big Bob. And Big Bob wanted to get the heck out of the fighting game and wanted to just move to Colombia, a.k.a. the U.S., buy a farm for him and his troops, start making beer. That was his dream. I relate to Big Bob on an emotional level. So does everyone else. And the best part about it is he accomplishes this dream over the course of uh, the finale of the event, Granny and the Night's Treasure. He gets his happy ending? He gets his happy ending. To the point where he actually has made cameos as totally a neutral figure or a good guy figure in succeeding events. He showed up randomly in Obsidian Festival. He showed up during the New Year event, just having a party with his friends. You get to fight him again. Um, but no, the very for, last... For confirmation and context, Yes. Uh, as a reminder, Big Bob originally, before these uh, events and so like, was basically a generic early boss uh, uh, number uh, lambda? Not really. Um, okay. He was so actually our first... from the start, he was a bit special. Oh, yeah, no, he was our first heavy anything. Um, okay. Like, before defense crushes, before anything else, there was Big Bob and his big honking chainsaw that could one-shot just about everybody, including several of your tanks. In the beginning, Oh yeah. was yep. Big Bob. In the beginning was Big Bob. He was our very first unique event boss, and boy howdy did he stick to mind. Yes, now, he did. at the very end of that event, one of the 2B continues is him writing a letter from his new 
farmhouse in Columbia to this other character on his squad named Mudrock. And we get a brief glimpse of Mudrock, and Mudrock is this big armored thing, very similar to Big Bob in that regard. Skip ahead nearly a year, and we get to Twilight of Volumond, and who is the final boss of Twilight of Volumond? Mudrock. It finally came back around. And Mudrock is actually a boss more or less by accident because she had nothing to do with anything that happened. She just got dragged into it as like, well, if we're going to fight, let's raise heck. And boy, did they do so <laughs> in the last section. Um, basically, you have a murder mystery, which starts riots, which go into whole, like, class inequality stuff. It turns into this whole real look at what happens when you have people disenfranchised and blamed for stuff that isn't on them. And their response to that is... And, eventually, and at first, Mudrock is like, I'm staying out of this. Our people died in this incident, too. I just want to get some supplies and get the heck out of here. And eventually, the rioting gets so bad that Mudrock is like, you know what? I'm for a reunion. I'm done with this. Viva la revolution! And starts causing some mayhem because that's literally the only option left to her at the time. Sounds like a Jackie Chan movie premise to me. Please leave me alone. I want nothing to do with it. Okay, I'll guess I'll <laughs> everything. <laughs> um okay. Okay. Sure. Um In the end, Mudrock is defeated, not killed. She finally sounds a retreat and is like, alright, enough of this. I'm done. I'm not putting my people's lives at risk. We're done here. I'm not even reunion right now. Like, can we please chill out? And Eventually, it actually, the riot is stopped. I'm. Everyone kind of looks like a jerk in this except Rhodes Island, which is actually kind of the best Rhodes Island has looked overall throughout this mess for the most part, throughout the story. Yeah. Hmm. Much. Um, and Mudrock gets to leave and stay alive, which is kind of important because, hey, guess who they just announced as recruitable in Hong Kong? Oh yeah, Mudrock. Yeah. She will eventually actually join Rhodes Island, and that is wonderful. In that trailer with this amazing music. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway. So the story of it's actually really solid and twisty, um, which I like. I've always been a sucker for a good murder mystery. Uh it also shows a lot of character growth. Uh oftentimes in these events, it focuses almost exclusively on new characters, but this one actually has a second unit of people headed up by Greythroat, who was actually a pretty major character in Chapter 6 of the main story, and by the time we get to Twilight of Volumon, she's really pulled up her big, her big girl pants and is now really a solid team leader, and she really impressed me about how far she's come. Um... The two other people on her squad are newer people. Yes, they are uh, new. She is uh, recurring from in the story already. Correct. Uh, the only characters who are recurring were Mudrock and uh, and Greythroat herself. And that leads us to the actual stages, um, which were actually really cool. This, this one did something that no other uh, Arknight stage of any kind has done, 
and that is territory control. Yeah, I've uh, been on your stream. It seems like they've added some uh, mechanic with essentially neutral towers. You can win or lose. Correct. And those towers are actually super cool because they hit... They're the only things I've ever seen in the game that actually hit for percentage hit points instead of uh, fixed damage. Oh, wow. Which actually means they're kind of the only way to beat certain enemies reliably, including Mudrock herself. Yeah, because she's so heavy. Exactly. Uh, if you're dealing with something with tens of thousands of hit points and the best any of your people could do is like 800, yeah, something that hits for 5% health every attack is actually going to be pretty gigantic. Pretty much. Um, you know, now that I think of it, uh, I think the biggest fading of Mudrug is that she's not named Bigger Bob. <sighs> I'm going to ignore that. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I will say one other thing that maybe people didn't notice necessarily about the towers is that they actually, not only do they hit enemies, and you can be the tower's enemy as well if the enemies take control of it, uh, they also heal allies. Yes. So, again, if you're fighting something with tens of thousands of hit, you know, 10,000 hit points or whatever, well, turns out if it gets healed for, you know, 10% of its hit points every 5 seconds, that's kind of a lot. Yeah, that gets to a point where you're probably not going to beat that enemy unless it's the first tower that's taken. So it creates this whole territory control dynamic, which at least in terms of my strategy, is the first time I actually found myself using fast redeploy as a real strat. Not for any sort of enemy abatement or anything else, because I tend to find their stats to be fairly low, but literally just to hack the towers quickly enough to take control of them. I kind of want to commission a piece of artwork of Gravel as a hacker. <laughs> um, See, I've, yeah, no, I've used some, if they some fast redeploy strategies as well. I actually shared a video on the Discord uh, about like a strategy that totally revolved around fast redeploy on some of the stages that oh, were in one that of the was, previous events. That video was like, the player was trying way too hard on that one. I appreciate the effort, but this just feels so unnecessary. It was, it was effective, but my goodness, the amount of micromanagement you had to go through to make that work was kind of insane. <laughs> You're not wrong. It, it took some doing. Yeah. But I, yeah. I kind of I just kind of just wanted to do it just to show off fast redeploy at that oh, point. Oh, I totally know. understand. Uh, for me, and I've never awesome liked... it's that simple features let you uh, use uh, elements that weren't there and truly make them shine like that. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate the stage design. Uh, another thing with the stages is you actually get our first tribulation mode, and this is a new kind of challenge mode where you don't get to pick the units. They give you a prefixed party. Huh. Oh, this gets better. So we've been having kind of a mishmash right now, and mostly because we believe they're holding off the first anniversary for the first anniversary uh, instead of accelerating it like our thing should have done. So we've had a couple of events early. We had Children of Ursus like four months early. We're having this one like three months early. But that comes with a bit of a caveat in that the fixed parties in Tribulation mode actually feature two characters who aren't out yet. The first is Phantom, who is the king of fast redeploy. And he actually is two characters in one because not only do you deploy him, but he also has a clone that you can deploy with his exact same stats and skills on top of that. 
Well, that sounds like something awesome to have as part of an early look preview. Oh, yeah, it's great. And he isn't even the crowning gem. Um, I kind of wish I discovered this on my own. Unfortunately, I knew about it way in advance because people on the subreddit were actually kind of freaking out about this possibility. And it happened. The second new character is the second limited unit who is not out yet. My girl W. And uh, I've talked about W quite a bit. She is a fire demon who brings the fire not with any sort of demon magic, but with a 40 millimeter grenade launcher, sticky bombs, claymore mines, and all sorts of other explosive fun. She brings the boom. She brings the explosions. Um, I have not actually gotten to this tribulation mode stage yet. I'm probably going to stream it on Wednesday, the 4th of November. So it's entirely possible by the time you're listening to this episode, I will have already done so. But, uh, yeah, the fact that she actually got an early preview is kind of humongous, because she is the absolute top of my want list, and I can't wait to try her out. Um, Sounds awesome. Yeah. She's really neat. She just... I normally don't go for characters who just hit things really hard, but the way she does it has so much swagger and also stuns enemies, which is some nice utility. There's something about her vibe that just makes me happy. And then, much like many other characters in the game, my first experience was with her was of a boss fight. And it turns out in Arcanite, the fastest way to my heart is to have a really cool boss fight. W did it. Big Bob did it. The Rat King did it. Mudrock did it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a solid recipe. Yeah. If you prove, Enemies to friends. Yeah, enemies to friends. I like it. So I'm looking forward to trying out the Tribulation mode. I think that's going to be very, very cool. And I'm glad it exists, and I'm kind of glad it was early, because it gives us a preview of it gives us a preview of what we could be pulling later, which is yeah. not which a terrible is awesome idea. When you're, when you're able to kind of look at, you know, the unit that you're... I mean, obviously, you know, actually experience them. Now, on obviously, on the banners themselves, they say, okay, here's the unit skills and whatnot. Right. So you can look at them at their... Uh, E2, which is their highest promotion uh, form, right? You can see kind of the numbers that are there and what they do, but uh, the ability to actually try them out, dude, that's yeah, something Which that's is why I really like nice. a lot of this function in Genshin as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a very, the preview function is just a very nice function. Um, and, you know, Des was mentioning the written data. I've got to be honest, I've fairly consistently like not gotten the full picture from from uh written data twice now neon the first angelina <laughs> yeah angelina was one of those cases but that was also a case where i did try friend unit versions of angelina and wasn't really thrilled and even now i'm kind of falling off on her again just because she is kind of on she's she's kind of wonky especially on annihilations but that's that's a whole other conversation that's um, also annihilations that's also Annihilations, yeah. Annihilations, you do not want active skills as rarely as possible. You want active skills. Anyway, that's yeah. we're getting off topic. But there were two bit. cases in particular where the I just didn't get a picture of what it is they actually did just from reading about them. First is Neon, who I had in my head was just a utility tank and had cool utility stuff she could do. No, it turns out she's a Stonewall Extraordinaire, and I just didn't get that at first. Um, hmm. Because well, we the way things are written, it doesn't factor in uh, it doesn't factor in modifiers and it doesn't factor in trust value. 
So I thought she was like 100 defense points weaker than Hoshiguma. No, they're about even, and her modifiers are way better. So all of a sudden, you need something hard-stopped. Neon's the one you use. The second time this happened was actually more recently with Rosa. There was no part of my understanding of her that made me think she would hit that hard. I just thought she was a stunner. I thought she was a stun bot. Nope, turns out she actually hits really hard and acts sort of like a, uh... Act sort of like a uh, a true sniper is what I call them, like Firewatch and Ambriel. Uh, she just has different target priorities because she targets heavy units, like weight class heavy units. So it's very interesting, but her attack is actually much higher than I thought, and she became my first uh, first unit of any kind with a base unmodified numerical attack value over a thousand, which is harder than I thought. Um. Yeah. And this actually brings us to our two banners over the course of this event. The first banner being Lily in the Valley. I don't understand why they title banners. That feels really weird to me, but that's what it's called. Uh, and that is Suzeran's banner. Now, Suzeran is a slow supporter like Angelina, but unlike Angelina, she can actually attack when her skills are down, which is nice. But as a result of that, her nuke isn't nearly what Angelina's is. You're using her entirely for the utility at that point. She does not have the Pretty damage much. that... That Angelina has at all. Um, yeah, Angelina has higher attack too, so. Yeah. You know. So, um, Suzerain, I don't actually know much about. I took one look at her art and I'm like, no, thank you. Um, she looks way too young for me, let's say. And uh, I got into a little trouble because I complained about this a lot, though I was trying to set up a joke on stream when it happened. With that said, um, she is really... I do like the fact that she has uh, Fennec Fox's ears. Yeah, uh, she's a Ninetale uh, as well. Um, yep. In for one tail, in for nine. In for nine, yeah. Uh, I would prefer a full-grown Kyubi, personally speaking, but whatever, you know. She's a very, very powerful little girl. If you really like very powerful little girls... Go for it. I know there's a market for that. I hope you enjoy her. Um, the second banner is the standard banner. This is actually more powerful than usual standard banner, which is why I'm bringing it up. It's Angelita, who we just mentioned, and Heliger. Angelita, obviously, is one of these general units who's good at just about every stage, with the notable caveat that she's not going to be doing a whole lot of attacking when her skill isn't up. Um... So, uh, she's basically, her skill's going to be down, and then her skill goes up, and she's just going to lay down the nuke, almost as powerful as Asia Fala's at that point, which is really impressive. Uh, and then Heliger, I've mentioned before, uh, he's a stand-in-the-corner, self-sustained, just wonderkind. He's fantastic. He's near the top of my want list. He's right under W. I really want the guy. Um... And hopefully you get him at some point. I hopefully do. I, I, I know since Asia Fala showed up on the shop for the standard banner two weeks ago, there's a chance that Heliger will make it there eventually as well, so at this point I may as well just save up for him that way. I did do a, I did do up to bonus on the banner and whiffed. I think I got I think I got another fast redeploy. I, I don't really remember, but... Heliger and Angelina's banner came out like today or something? Uh, came out Friday. Okay, maybe I'm yeah, new new standard banners usually come out on Fridays. Um, now, Des, you discovered something about Suzeran and other supporters like Angelina. Why don't you go ahead and share 
Share yeah, with class. it was more something that I just kind of thought of as we were talking. But yeah, I did end up getting Suzerain, and I was noticing after I got her to E2 just earlier today that some enemies were dying that hadn't been dying before, and I'm pretty sure that's because of the extra skill speed increase that she gets. So you know that increases the number of targets that she attacks on the skill that I have her on currently, which is her skill two. But she increases supporters' skill speed charge time by 40%, right? So not, not the time that it takes, but she increases the amount that they charge over time, right? So 40% faster would mean actually Suzerain and Angelina would have a lot of uh, synergy in that way. Because Angelina is all about the uptime on her skill. Right. Which means that if Suzerain's increasing... The charge time or the charge speed rather on that by 40%. That's a lot of extra uptime. Right. Which kind of brings me back to my point about Suzerain is she'll never do as much as Angelina in terms of raw damage, but my understanding is she's a pretty solid utility player for real this not, time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And not only does she kind of provide that, uh, you know, utility um, with the charge time. She also has uh, her third skill, which increases the damage mm -hmm. that anything in it takes, as well as constantly slowing all units in her area, in her, like, uh, her range. Increasing the range and healing all allied units within that range by, I, I think the maximum is like 20% of her attack per second. Which, which is... is pretty gigantic now is that like, considered a direct heal or a passive regen i don't know yet but knowing how other like heals in the game that are similar to that count i'm guessing it's probably going to be a regen so we could test um, that with heliger or with can. utage right or vulcan or you know anybody like that that doesn't allow heals from allies uh normally but if they're in range then it would count right um, okay I'm I'm guessing hmm, it's going to be the same way as um, again I haven't tested it yet I can test it as we're doing the podcast maybe and let you guys know but I'm guessing it's going to be the same way as uh, Sora's region works which that's kind would of work no on, joke like, and somebody like that yeah uh, that's one of the things I truly and honestly love about Arknights there's all these like weird combinations of units you wouldn't think make a great team or weird ways to use units like I actually asked. There's this character named Ock, and Ock is primarily a buffer. But he has a skill one that's actually kind of pretty good for damage, and it actually makes him optimum, uh, optimal for attempts on uh, Mudrock's boss stage as a damager. So I actually asked my friends for skill one Ock, as opposed to <laughs> someone you would normally use in that position like Exusii. Which was very, like, again, it's just one of these things. Using characters in new, weird, and fun ways, and it just ends up really working out. And I love it about this game. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. Like, the different number of, you know, ways you can put different teams together. Uh, you know, I've seen multiple different strats for everything from, you know, basic, basic um, levels all the way up to obviously the contingency contracts and what happens there you know you can put together a team of practically anybody and you you can make them work 
Yep. Um. So yeah, uh, that's about it for Arknights. I would like to talk about one thing that happened in China that kind of blows the doors wide open on terms of who could be recruited. And that is we're getting our first simulated unit. So once upon a time, there was a really bad movie made around Lunar New Year, written by Lava, and uh, being hijacked by the diva that is Neon. And in that movie, Lava cast herself as this gothy, dark, sexy superhero. To my incredible shock, who's getting an event at a playable, like, second version of themselves but the sexy, dark, gothy superhero Lava? Alright, <laughs> I'm listening. Yeah, we don't know anything about her yet. This was just the 18-month uh, anniversary stream where we discovered this. But they made it very clear that, yes, Lava was going to be... Like, the normal Lava is a three-star, basically free unit you can get from recruitment. She's kind of a nothing. Yeah, mm, okay. if, if you've been playing the game for any period of time, you're going to have Lava maxed out as long as you've been, you know, doing your recruitments. Yeah. You will have gotten her. Yeah. She's ridiculously common. does explain why uh, it wouldn't make as much sense to have it as just a costume. I mean, it would have made plenty of sense to have it as just a costume, because I thought that's what it was. No, turns out they're actually putting her in as a separate unit. We don't know her rarity yet, but we're going to assume six stars, because it was kind of the star of the show. And I have no idea what to expect. So this is going to kind of blow the doors wide open of what-if scenarios in terms of hiring people. I don't know how this is actually going to work in terms of the game itself. I, I, I'm very interested to see how that works, but um, this is actually almost more interesting to me than the third limited banner and uh, anything else going on, just because the possibilities of who you could put on your team are kind of ginormous now. Because, well, if you're willing to put one simulation in the game somehow, uh, I don't understand what that's going to mean at all. And it is being treated as two separate units, so I don't know if there's some variation where you can have Lava and Superhero Lava on the same team or whatever. Like, I don't know how any of this is going to work. It's just so fascinating to me that this is a thing we'll that exists. We'll find out. We will find out. Um, I did just do the test. Okay. Right, for Suzeron and healing units who normally can't be healed by allies. Okay. And she can. Uh, so I did it with uh, Vulcan who is obviously a tank that normally can't be killed by allies. Right. And she was definitely getting regen from uh, Suzerain's skill. Also, that skill is a massive slow. Good lord. <laughs> Again, all of the utility. All of the utility. All of the utility. Pretty much. Okay. Okay. So yes, that's the answer to the question that we had, and it does work. Well, there we have it. All right. And uh, with that, I don't want to take too much time focusing on Hong Kong. Uh, Twilight of Volumont, cool event, good banners, especially if you like utility players. Uh, and I guess that's a good time as any to move on to Genshin. Let's do it. Genshin Impact. 
and I'm going to start by talking about Pokemon. Explain? No. Stay with me on this. So, when you start uh, picking up for a Pokemon what kind of attacks they have, because you only have a limited amount of move and when you learn a new one it replaces an old one. Right. Uh, I've seen basically three stages uh, players tend to go through. And they don't necessarily go through all of these stages, but uh, in any case, at the very beginning, you have uh, somebody that goes, uh, yes, this is my Charizard, he's a fire dragon, so he's going to have amber, and oh, there's flamethrower, he can have that instead of that useless uh, growl debuff move, and then he has two ways to speed fire, and then he has three ways to speed fire, but ultimately all this Pokemon does is speed fire in different ways and you only use one at a time anyway. Then you have the next step, which is when a player realizes maybe if my Pokemon has more elemental coverage, so I'm going to take this psychic Pokemon and I'm going to give them elemental punches that lets them uh, deal damage to more than just one type effectively. And so you have this coverage this way, that's stage two. And then you have stage 3, which is, I really only need to use one single specialized damage move and the rest can be uh, used in order to optimize this or to reply to niche situations. And I can give a bigger spot to things like buffing moves and actually make the kit essentially uh, work to specialize the Pokemon in a role that multiplies by a lot its effectiveness. Okay. Okay. I bring that up because uh, Genshin Impact party selection is a lot like that, I think. Where on stage one, you want just to put up all of your best units, uh, all of the five stars you pulled, uh, and everything, uh, regardless of who they are. And if you have uh, all fire units, uh, well, no problem, it's what you want anyway. And of course, the moment you meet an enemy with a fire shield, you have a problem. Right. Then, then you have the second stage. I'm going to put different units and I'm going to exploit the elemental interactions. And that's uh, much better already. You don't have so many roadblocks, but you can still only use one unit at a time. Uh, which is when the third stage comes through. And you actually take the whole party as a walking unit into consideration in order to build your party. And that's what I wanted to bring up. Notions regarding party composition in Genshin Impact. Okay. That's important because that's relevant to the newest unit I'm going to talk about next. But uh, for now... Generic notions of party composition. I think, and I've seen others agree with that sentiment, that basically you have three main types of units you okay. want in your party. You have okay. first your frontliner, which is uh, the unit you want to use most of the time, the unit you're using basic attacks with a lot, the unit you buffing towards, and uh, the one that does most of the brunt work. So these would be the big hitters, like the main character, like Xiangling, like 
not the main character uh, and not Chongling at all, actually. Really? But you can build... Well, Chongling is particular because, of course, these walls aren't strictly enforced and Chongling work is uh, great because she works both as a main uh, frontline unit and can transition easily into a more utility-based role. Uh, but for instance, Deluke is uh, absolutely a frontline. Uh, when he's in front, he does all of the work, and when he's in the back, he's he does nothing. So he needs to be in the front to be effective. Okay, I think I see what you mean now. All right. Yeah. Because you can only have one unit in the forefront uh, at, at the time. And keep in mind, these considerations are for solo play. Things like Spiral Abyss and all of that. In multiplayer, the roles are, are a bit different. Core controls take more of uh, importance and likes. But that's not what we're talking about today. Right. Uh, so you have these front lines. And then you have the assist character. Uh, or offensive support. But I like the assist term because it's kind of like... In these team fighting games, like uh, Marvel, your Marvel vs. Capcom's, where you can call one of the characters that's not currently active, and it just comes up, do, does an attack, and uh, moves away. That's basically what you want to do with a good assist character. Briefly come, deploy as much of their kit as is relevant, and then return to your front line, because your front line is the one you want out. Meaning that the good uh, assist characters are the ones with either uh, an effect, an attack that's going to last for a while, even when they're away, like, say, uh, Fischl or Shangling with uh, Guoba and the uh, Trolling Spear staying for a while around you, even when you're not having Shangling active anymore. Okay, I think I see. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And of course, that means that's your front line. No, on top of their effectiveness as a frontline, also has a big fire spear turn in one van. Yeah. Uh, it can also count for units that uh, debuff the enemies, for instance. Like, uh, a lot of animal characters have a way to inflict uh, elemental debuffs, and that would certainly count. Right. Another way is just units that come use the skills to uh, that uh, have a cooldown to burst quickly and then can get out uh, something like uh, uh, well like animal man character in fact which can just come out use wind blade use tornado and they've done most of the work they can do okay uh, so yeah these are your assists and uh, I think that's one of the most important roles and something that's very important to identify to make the most of all, out of all of four of your characters and not just the one. Mm. And then lastly, you have the more defensive supports, uh, which are mostly healers like Barbara and Noah. Right. Of course, this puts some characters in an interesting perspective as well, such as Jean which does all three roles better than most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about like Jean. Yeah. 
but yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because party composition is important and can help a lot when you're not having enough resources to spend on literally everybody. Oh, so yeah. okay. having a couple of characters, uh, especially support characters, can help you rotate a lot of uh, things in your party while maintaining a strong effectiveness. Even that the entire world levels, that's pretty important. Right. Yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah. I've, so I've actually gotten to the point where I have three characters. It took a lot of grinding to get there, I'll tell you that. But I have three yeah. characters at level... Uh, I think it was level 80. Uh, anyway, the maximum current level for where my world is right now, right? 80. Uh, then, yeah. Like I said, I, I was pretty sure it was 80. Um, but yeah, I have three characters up to that level, right? Um, and there yeah. are people that you know I use pretty often. But for that fourth slot, I'll you know I'll pop somebody else in if I know I'm gonna need. Okay, well I'm I'm gonna need a certain elemental, you know, reaction. I'll pop somebody yeah. else in. Or uh, also if I am like, well, you know, I would kind of like to maybe have a couple of this different of this particular element in my party for the elemental bonus that they give, right? Sometimes yeah, I exactly, and that's something that. that's probably going to be much more important eventually uh, I would to have, so. say, uh, a party that has uh, two fire characters and two lightning characters. Yeah, um, and, you know, obviously when I'm putting those other people in, I'll consider, okay, uh, are they going to need, you know, many levels to get them in there? Because at this point I don't have really the resources to give levels to anybody right now like i'm right i'm i'm flat broke yeah <laughs> on on experience uh primarily and experience and ascension materials those i'm i'm, I'm flat broke on those mora's fine yeah flat broke on uh ascension materials and the oh. uh xp so that's you know, why it, to spend your resin yeah no that Trust me, there's plenty of ways to spend resin. I'm definitely running up against that uh, that problem. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, um, I always kind of try to decide, okay, who do I want to get in here based on, you know, whether or not they're going to be able to have something that's going to persist uh, yeah, and like beyond you said when you they're going to be there. Yeah, like you said, you have uh, three main characters and then one more flexible slot. And I think that's enough. I yeah, think no, if you're going absolutely. to face a fire shield guy, you don't need four water characters. You just need the one. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it also helps that the shields tend to react based on number of hits and not strict HP. So even an underleveled unit can help with that. Yeah, especially... That's one thing that I've found, too. Like, my Barbara, I'll be honest, my Barbara is, like, level 50 uh, right yeah. now. And I, I just haven't had the resources to get her up any higher. But uh, against fire enemies, she does a lot of work. You know, she'll, yes, she she'll does. destroy that shield really fast because water annihilates fire uh, shields, yep. you know. And um, all of her attack are water. Mm -hmm. so yeah, party thing. composition is important both for the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay, and for resource allocation, which is getting, as the adventure level increases, a more and more important consideration. 
Right. My Mondays and Thursdays are pretty much dedicated already to specific resource farms. Sounds like it's either going to be talent stuff or yes. weapons. Weapon yeah, material. that's the next step because uh, they were both on the same way and uh, the talent I needed uh, to final reach of which I landed on at last level 6 on every talent for my clay oh, which is congrats. the new unit we're going to talk about let's right, hear about let's her talk about her so uh, remember earlier in Arknight where we talked about um, diminutive characters uh, and explosions well, Clay is a little girl that has a lot of bombs. <laughs> she brings uh, the bomb, that's for sure. Okay. Yep. So her main attack is bombs. Uh, her E is a bomb that makes many smaller bombs. And uh, her... Uh, I mean, uh, her E being her elemental skill. Mm. Uh, since uh, people play on pad as well, or on phone. Bless your pure soul. Oh lord. Uh, and her elemental burst is not directly a bomb, it's more of a series of rapid-firing orbital lasers. That do AoE explosions, so they're kind of bombs anyway. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, she's all about those bombs. Uh, she is a fire catalyst user. Uh, so fire mage uh, with a bit of a short range because uh, she actually has projectiles that has travel time, unlike most mages. Travel time and ballistic trajectory. Yep. Which means that you have to take into account things like elevation. Which can lead to silly situations where if you want to hit from a safer spot, you might want to take out your Geo main character to have that little rock she can be perched on and then use her charged attack uh, from a bit of a distance because her charge attack is also an important part of her kit. Oh, but it has no range <laughs> because it basically appears above her, which means it's about that chest size uh, for m most characters and uh, it fires in a diagonal direction Down. and uh, so if she's on the ground it fires right in front of her if she's way above it can be pretty long range uh, so the way she works basically is that uh, well first things first she is a damage dealer. All the fire, Very all much. the time. Yeah, and she is a frontline damage dealer, no less. Alright. Uh, so that means you have because, two fire elements, six star, or five star frontliners? Not only that, but she has a, a special uh, property, which is that her uh, attacks being explosives deal increased damage to the rock shields and constructs that claymores are good on. Which means that, yes, you guessed correctly, she feels the exact same partial to the letter 
as they look. Yeah, that's kind of where I thought this conversation was going. That's interesting exactly. itemiz- er, interesting prioritization for character releases at that point, if they do the same yeah. job. Yeah. Basically, as a PSA, if you are just okay regarding uh, Claire not mad and do not want her at all costs, and if you have Adi Luke, don't go after Claire. Because she feels a very similar role to him. Yeah. Pretty much exactly the same. Like, let's yes. be honest. Klee is all fire all the time. Deluke's pretty much all fire all the time. Like, he's going to have fire skills up almost all the time. And so. he imbues his sword with his uh, mm-hmm. elemental burst to deal only fire damage. Yes. Yeah, this uh, sounds... Yeah. Yeah, and like they work differently, uh, but uh, they fit the exact same role. So, buyer beware, you know, you generally, if you have a Diluc and you have a clear, they're going to be redundant. Uh, no, as to how she works, she has some interesting ways uh, to make her skills work. So, uh, her main attack. And her elemental skill uh, have a chance to trigger a spark. The spark is a little floaty thing uh, that uh, lasts uh, indefinitely around clear, and you can only have one at a time. Not quite indefinitely. I did notice that it does seem to go away after a while, but it it lasts. Oh, okay. It lasts a good bit. Yeah. It should last uh, so much that it's not a consideration when you're doing a fight. Or even right. in between fights that are close together. Pretty much. Uh, and when you have this spark active, if you use your charge attack, it deals half uh, uh, 50% increased damage and doesn't cost any stamina. Huh. And yeah, so that is a way to have a big burst of knockback. It does root her in place a fair amount of time, but you can dash or jump cancel out of that. In order to survive, because she's definitely a bit squishy too. Okay. Which yeah, doesn't yeah. help, uh, which isn't helped by the fact that she must stay in pretty close range to hit her basic attacks and her charge attack. Which is which is a big part of her optimal damage. Which is kind of funny because her job is throwing bombs everywhere. You'd think they would actually have a little more range than that. Yeah, the problem being, of course, that play have no sense of danger or anything like that. Cool. Which is her, and it's actually reflected kind of in the part fact of her that characterization, yeah, yeah, and it plays into the gameplay where you don't have any sort of friendly fire, but if you're fainting anywhere, anywhere where there's grass, you're going to catch fire and you're going to be on fire for the entire fight. Pretty much. Uh. So. And the chance to trigger a spark is high. It's 50% chance either on each individual basic attack or on each individual damage occurrence for your elemental skill. And the elemental skill in question, Jumpty Dumpty, deals damage three times in a row as it bounces forward and you have two charges of it. Okay. And I I w- if I had the, do you know if it triggers on the mines? I would guess it would, but I don't think it does. Okay. 
Uh, also, something to keep in mind about the uh, Jumpty Dumpty. Uh, so, the mines do add a fair amount of damage, especially if you have her at uh, high constellations. Her constellations are pretty much all amazing, but there are also constellations on our 5 star base character. So, I won't go too deep into that. Yeah. Uh, Sounds fair. But, uh, so the little mines stay for a while, and if you use your two charges of your elemental skill in a row, uh, you have a maximum number of mines you can have, and they're going to replace the old one, so they're going to explode immediately. So you'll want to space out, maybe steer the enemies so they rush into some of those mines, or you can put them down, and switch to most animal characters, which can then draw enemies and the mines in the same spot. Oh dear. The only exception be being Venti. It doesn't work with Venti somehow, but animal and character it works with. I believe Sucrose it works with well, very well. And yeah, you can add a lot of damage just by switching quickly and using as an assist an animal character to draw them in and... Uh, make them explode some more in a fiery little spot of death. I like it. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you have the elemental uh, burst, which is uh, basically you have a uh, large area that's invisible around her, and any enemy in this area are going to take a burst of these lasers that look like a charge attack. But they're completely passive and you can do anything except change characters, which is why she's a frontline and not uh, an assist, because she needs Pretty to much. be on the field for her elemental burst to do anything. Unless she's a constellation 4, at which point switching out during the elemental burst deals an enormous explosion, but that needs means pulling five of the same five star unit. So don't rely on that. Even if you've gazed the folks and wanted to go for the crows and instead got three clears. <laughs> <laughs> that is still not five. Ah alright. Uh, I wish yeah. I had that but sort of luck in that game. Same. I'm still at not a single 5 star that wasn't guaranteed. But at least there are some guarantees, uh, and now I have a 5 star unit in clear, and I like her a lot. She's definitely not easy to apprehend at first, because her moves by themselves don't necessarily feel too good. She's very static when she attacks and when she uses her charge attack. But uh, she can be tamed, she can, you can learn to benefit from jump cancels and dash cancels and to use her this way, that around, do hit and runs. And yeah, she has uh, layers to tame her, sort of. But yeah, that's clear, that's a lot of explosions, and that's a lot of damage, and seeing these big crit numbers uh, feels pretty nice. Oh right, the crit, I didn't cover the crit. Because crits are important for her, not just for damage, even though damage is pretty cool, yeah. but also when her uh, charge attack 
the one you can get for free with the spark. Uh, crits? She gives everybody in the party uh, more energy. Which is great if you assist characters uh, benefit strongly from an elemental burst because you can charge their elemental burst but they're not uh, the active character. It's very good. Sounds about right. Uh, yeah, so of course that means that you need some uh, pretty specific selection of artifacts to make the most of her. Right. Uh, and uh, she introduced me by her very existence to the depths of artifact hunting. And uh, that's a whole thing. I don't think we're going to cover this episode, but uh, let's just say that getting the perfect artifacts uh, you want is a task with a big T. Yeah, I've been uh, watching the sub, or uh, not the subreddit, I've been watching the Discord about that, and yeah, I, I've heard some tales, and that'll be definitely something interesting to get into. Agreed. Yeah. But in short, uh, if you have her and don't know exactly how to gear her, you want crit, and then you want uh, pyro damage, and then uh, attack or crit damage are all good. But uh, the short of it is damage, 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 fire damage, damage, damage. Basically. So yeah. that's clear. Yep. <laughs> uh, going from fire to water, we also had Mona's story quest. Okay, I don't know who Mona is <laughs> at all. Uh, so, sorry, I just uh, saw a uh, space bird that just popped into the chat. Heard damage, 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 and said, must be talking about clay. Yup. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, uh, Monastery Quest now. Uh, so, it was pretty fun. They've, uh, they've got the system with keys you need to unlock specific story chapters, and they're releasing some of those between patches now, apparently. Okay. And uh, it do, it does provide a bit of a focus story and a way to test uh, some characters uh, you might not necessarily have. Uh, even if it's for the span of a single fight. Uh, but uh, yeah, now we know a bit more about what Mona's deal is. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a pretty fun story where she has some very a very personal role for the Traveler because basically the way she introduces herself to him is I know you're not from this dimension I can tell you, I can help you uh, figure out what's going to happen but you're going to help me first because she's an astrologian and she knows that we don't our stars don't correspond to these world's uh, constellations and stuff. Oops. Everything's all so, fun and games until you tick off your Rianger, apparently. Pretty much. Uh, and uh, she does have a little bit of an issue with practical purposes. Like money. And then, of course, her character, realizing that, decides to be terrible towards her. And 
eat the entirety of her profit. For fun. To be fair, that was probably. Uh, I, I mean, don't think she. Can... I don't think technically the character realized that uh, at the time. Paimon definitely did, though. <laughs> Maybe Paimon did. Yeah. But Paimon's Paimon. Exactly, and Paimon is evil. And is the big bad of the game, calling it right now. Interesting You're not take. The first person that I have heard say that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now then. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, a fun little story. It uh, leads to some uh, uh, nice part, including uh, the fact that we finally know what this uh, water seal in this random house in Mondstadt is for. Oh, um, I remember we yeah. couldn't get into that. Correct. Well, now we now know we can. who can, and it's Mona. Okay. And, it's part uh, of her story we... quest where she opens it up. Yeah, and she finally meets uh, the one she wanted to meet, uh, and the main purpose for this quest, which is her arch-rival. I'm not going to say who it is, but I'm glad that there was a tiny visual detail that allowed me to identify before we had the reveal. Because yeah. constellations are both a system in the game and something in the lore. So it came up that, that way and that's a nice way to tie things up. Hey, these little story quests are very nice and I hope we'll get more though. Yeah, absolutely. I would be cool with that from what I'm hearing. Sounds great. Yeah. And it's also not going to be the end of uh, what we hear about Mona. Because uh, we've had a 1.1 previous stream. Okay. Okay, so there was a trailer that I just linked. Uh, and first of all, can I just say that I really like that trailer because it's visually punchy, uh, shows that this is some... Nice story point. We know some of the characters that are going to get involved. The music is really cool. Music's pretty it good. Kind of reminds me of the FF14 patch trailers in a smaller, condensed way. Okay, I can see that. And yeah, that's uh, something that really shows uh, things that get me excited for what's coming next. Uh, even if it's just a story that's going to be one of the undone for most of it. And, like, the story isn't uninteresting, and given that they're going from region to region, while there is an overarching plot, they can afford to actually resolve plot points. Right. So, that's already pretty exciting. Uh, and so, from uh, the trailer announcement, on top of the story chapter, we also know we're going to get Throughout the patches history, I don't imagine they're going to release all of it right at the start. Uh, but we're going to get uh, two new 5-star and two new 4-stars. Okay. The two new 5-star being Child, which will be a water bow user that can use some stun switching mechanics. Yeah, I saw it looked like he was at melee unit. before he started talking about the bow and then started shooting things. I'm like, wait a minute, what are you doing? And then he turned yeah. back into a melee leader in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. He just styles things using uh, uh, 
bow and twin weapons and a pole arm and it actually ties into the character even in his role in this part of the story where he's going to do more than wield multiple weapon types. But that's kind of spoilery if you haven't done the main story quest at Adventure Level 29. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's nice. Then we have also Zhongli, uh, which is uh, the uh, 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 character already met in the story as well, uh, that accompanies us for a while and whose voices I absolutely love. That sounds like he's Silverstein. It sounds like he's if that's the that's the Geo Lancer. Yeah, yeah, he's doing full Jugadon is what he's doing. Like he's using exactly. the exact same and voice for Jugadon that he uses for here. So yeah, and I like it a lot. It's a it's plus a he's, he's a, a good actor. tall, cool guy that summons materials. So what's not to like? Yeah. No, I, I'm actually, like, that's a pretty cool... That looked like a really good, like, the first Geo moveset I actually thought, like, I could actually get into. Yeah, I mean, he is the second speaker user in the entire game. All right. Uh, and then we have uh, also this uh, tiny cat girl uh, that's an ice healer <sighs> as well. <sighs> uh, and this uh, fire claymore user that has a rock and roll team. <laughs> okay. Sure. So, pretty exciting stuff in that regard. Uh, but as far as content to look forward to, there's also a lot of things, both in the ways to get it and the rewards. Okay. So, regarding the ways to get it, uh, there are two main things that were uh, talked about during the stream. One being uh, a longer sort of story event uh, sort of things that will talk about Mona and Fischl. Uh, which is why I've said that this isn't the last we'll see of Mona. Uh, and uh, we know that from this event we're going to get official for free. Which is amazing because she is probably one of the best assist characters in the game. I didn't get much of a chance to use her. Uh, her, your your missions in Mondstadt go faster thing kind of left her on permanent mission mode as a result. <laughs> but uh... mm, Yeah, I can see why. And even if you're just using her for that, it's neat too. But, yeah, she is one of the best characters. Uh, probably the best four-star character in the game by uh, a lot of people's judgment. Yeah, if I if I get back into the game at some point, I definitely want to focus on her a little more. And then I have that water swordsman who just didn't sing to me at all. I'd like maybe like to give him a shot. Chill. Sure. I don't remember his name. Uh, he wasn't really worth remembering. Which, I'm sorry. He does have rates up uh, in Klisbanner, too, as a matter of fact. Okay. Yeah, because uh, uh, each uh, character come with also... Uh, I mean, each 5-star banner has three 4-star uh, units as a fo as focus uh, units. Uh, Which okay. does anyway. mean that as you're pulling, hmm? you're likely to max out a lot of, you know, 3-star characters, especially if you have the resources well, to pull for a bit. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I meant. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, Fisher for everyone is very good. And uh, then... Uh, so we'll have that. And we'll also have the Reputation Farm. Reputation it's, Farm? Uh, yeah, each area is going to have uh, a Reputation Tracker. Okay. Uh, which will increase from several parameters. Some are repeatable weekly quests. Some are permanent events like unlocking teleporters and doing quests that spawn in the area. And uh, as your reputation increases, you get rewards including uh, cosmetic things like name cards and gliders. Uh, you also get some more utility based items like the ability to summon a cooking pot anywhere. Or the ability to summon a teleportation point anywhere that lasts for a week. That lasts for a week? Wow! That's actually really uh, cool! I like it that! It gets better! You also have the ability to get some compasses that work in the region you're working in the reputation for, that lets you do things like spot the nearest geoculus or animoculus or the the statue upgrade item for this region. Okay, that or is awesome. Even the, or even the nearest treasure chest in the region. Okay, that's like the thing that I desperately wanted, so that's amazing. Okay. Yes. Yes. And uh, I believe the, the way it works is... I believe the way it works is that uh, uh, you get the item per se uh or doing the reputation, but it needs to be recharged with consumables you need to craft. So you can just spam your way into this, uh, which does uh, provide a bit more lasting utility to things like mining, since I've seen one of the crafting recipe has a crystal for getting these charges. And yeah, it's a lot of very useful quality of life like items and exciting stuff to get sounds like that that sounds yeah, like I'm one of the features this game actually really needed okay yeah okay and the way they just not giving it to us like that but they need to systems to make gameplay uh and lasting gameplay uh still very much engaging uh in things that aren't resin locked yeah, that's He's very yeah, important. That's actually that's actually the main thing I like about it. If they just handed it to you, it would probably make the game boring. But the way it yeah. the way you've described it, how balanced it sounds, I'd like to see how it is in yeah. practice, but Same. Yeah, me too. Uh oh yeah, almost forgot. Hmm. We'll also get an item that uh, lets you use a food as a quick slot instead of having to go into the menu. Oh my god. Oh my god. So Yep. Which was probably one of my biggest complaints relating to the food system. Mm. So now I'm going to use food consistently. Yeah, yeah. same. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's like, pretty much an emergency an actual emergency food as opposed to the meme emergency <laughs> food. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, These are improvements the game needed. Stuff. It, it's and it's going to come out next week as time of recording. If November it's the 11. same as, if it's the same as the clear banner, that's also going to be this weird time between 
the banner and the next bet counts. Because there was yeah, that, this couple that of was days weird. Yeah, there were these couple of days where the the venti banner and the corresponding weapon banner weren't active anymore. But the clay banner and corresponding weapon banner weren't active yet. There was like one day and a half where you literally couldn't spend your uh uh your summon crystals, your fate for uh, the rare uh or a because there banner. was no rare banner. And the uh, adrenaline it, it junkies wept. The, is, it was only... The only banner available was the standard headhunting banner, which you know obviously includes Dean exactly. and Deluke and Mona, but it didn't have any limited uh, like time characters on there. Yeah. So that was a bit weird, and I wonder if it's going to return as well, but uh, we'll see. We shall we'll see. find out. Uh, oh yeah, and another thing that's uh, I feel kind of important was something that was absent from the 1.1 announcement and subsequent discussion. Okay. No battle pass. What? At least none was mentioned. I don't think battle... And we know that the current battle pass is going to end at the release of 1.1. So I wonder is either the reputation farm or the story event or something like that is going to replace the current battle pass as a progression system uh, and they're going to alternate that or if they just didn't care to mention it but we're still going to get one so that's intriguing yeah that's yeah. that's an interesting choice yeah I wonder what's going to be up with that because uh, to talk a little bit about the Battle Pass, I believe, Des, you have finished uh, it? I have, yes. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably and one of the so reasons why I was able to get uh, three characters up to level 80. Um, you know, because it does have the extra the rewards on it, right? Right. Um, so, I, I did purchase the Battle Pass. I figured it was a you know, a pretty good value since I did plan to continue playing the game. Uh, and, it, you know, it it's... Uh, I can't say I can complain about it. Yeah, it is good value, but I felt like I didn't really want to make a purchase just for uh, the enhancement items. Mm -hmm. uh, so fair. that meant that uh, the main sources of possible reasons to buy the, the premium track on the battle pass were the summon items and premium gems you get at the end mm -hmm. and the weapon and yeah. the weapon there are some pretty good choices I think uh, the catalyst in part in particular is a crit item for clay so that would be very good but uh, overall I considered is this worth uh, 12 euros and I thought no for me but uh, for plenty of people that's worth it and yep. uh, it's not that I don't want to buy any battle pass or anything it's that I'm probably going to hold back for a premium truck that has some cosmetics that I'm really going to like that's fair something that lasts yep Okay. And lastly, since it's a new month, uh, it's important to know that the shop has refreshed. 
Okay. Which means uh, your freestyle dupes are going to net you 10 summons, 5, five uh, from the temporary banner, 5 from the permanent normal banner. And that we also get some new units available uh, to just straight up purchase with your 4 star dupe items. Uh, so there were Amber and uh, Razor before, now it's Lisa and Bennett. Okay. But which are solid characters. Mm, yeah, Bennett being kind of a self-sustained, uh, kind of support-ish character. I'm not exactly sure how well he slots into a party. Uh, what's his weapon and class? that's his best problem. Mm, sorry? What's his weapon class? Uh, light sword. Uh, okay. Yeah, lights. He's a light sword user. Yeah. And Lisa, which is a very solid unit, uh, uh, mostly an assist. Yep. I don't know. I could. Uh, I could see Lisa being a frontliner. Yeah, she can also work as a frontliner. But I, I would agree that you. probably her assist is is stronger, especially with her Q and how it stays up. Yeah. And it's great to create space for herself or for anybody else that needs the space. Yep. And that's pretty much it for Genshin Impact. Alright, uh, well, sorry to give you two leads in a row, but we better power through War of the Visions here, so Rana, take it away. No problem powering through War of the Visions indeed. Uh, so the Halloween celebration is uh, onto us. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've uh, released the same units that they released in the JP version of the game. Which is one of the big advantages of not having as big of a power creep problem as FFB has. Okay. It's just the units at the same power level and they work. So we have uh, Y Ryu as a bit of a Frankenstein monster. Alright. Uh, instead of being a gun user here, he's more of a melee character with uh, some strong tankiness. Uh, he just takes the blows and deals them back with some good draining moves as well for the self-sustain. Alright. Uh, and then we have Little Lila as some sort of a perky werewolf. Arknight's character guy. <laughs> uh, but as far as her job goes, she is basically the wind elemental version of Elyra. So, arithmetician with all of those uh, height uh, based, uh, level based uh, uh, spells, uh, except it's aerial spells and not uh, water spells. Alright. Alright. Yeah. Ariel and not uh, fire or dark for Halloween. Interesting. Yeah. Though that's probably because both Ryu and Little Lila in the default normal version are dark elemental. So they probably wanted to change things this way. Uh, that does make sense. It just feels like yeah. in that case they may have been weird selection for Halloween, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, given that Little Lila is a character I quite like in the story, uh, she, I'm just happy she has a five-star base now. That's fair. Well, uh, you are. That's fair. I've, I've, I've stated something similar at FFBE several times. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, since the event itself isn't all that uh, exceptional or anything, the only thing I've noticed is that we have another porcelain tower. Okay. And porcelain tower Which was one of those nice. like fancy stage missions with the weapon reward. Yeah. Uh, and regarding the weapon reward, uh, well, it's not a weapon anymore. This time, uh, the reward for reaching the top floor is a ring. Hmm. Uh, but you can get uh, also the sword uh, from the last porcelain tower, as well as the upgrade materials from the coins you get throughout. Uh, so even if you don't reach the end, you can basically take more time to eventually get the weapon up to speed. Okay. Which is a nice option. I like that. Uh, they if Yeah, and they even have the weapon, and they don't let you buy a one if you already have one. That's actually pretty fair, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, since uh, otherwise you'd be able to fuse them together, which is not uh, what they want to, you to be able to. Yeah, not intended. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, where the game is at its best, uh, so... Uh, I didn't go that hard on it, though, mostly because uh, I do have my uh, natural limit of... Uh, uh, two gacha games I can juggle pretty naturally, and right now with Genshin, that's three total, so World of Vision is falling a little bit on the wayside, and uh, uh, it's uh, it has some kind of inherent problem with the fact that it's a tactical game with uh, farmable battles. Yeah. And technical battles take longer than normal RPG battles. Mm -hmm. That is true. That is true. Yeah. So there's uh, uh, limitations this way. Did you know Fire Emblem 7, the first that which all shows, the main story mode had 17 fights, not a single one more. That's enough to make a full game. And 17 fights is more than you are expected to farm in a single day in World Division. Ah. <laughs> Okay, now that you put that in perspective, yeah, okay. Yeesh. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I wonder how many tactics so Ogre had. Sorry, that was a, a total non-sequitur. Go on. No, no, that's uh, uh, interesting. Um, yeah, like, I'm kind of burning out on the game. I'm not full stop uh, not playing it anymore or anything like that, but I'm just Going on, uh, getting the shots for the characters I have, uh, do doing the dailies to get a bit more visual, and that's my world vision for the day, pretty much. Yeah, sounds fair. Yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, it seems like that game is a real attention hog. Yeah, and it's hard to keep interested for long period of times at times, which naturally leads us to our topic of the day. Yep. What keeps us interested? What keeps us interested in a gotcha game? What holds our attention yep. there after we're already hooked in? Yep. Um. For me, I'm gonna actually say the characters, and not necessarily, not necessarily in a are the summon characters cool sort of way, like. I've been finding, especially with the archetypes, I get really into, like, the backstories and the connections 
and stuff like that and seeing how the puzzle pieces fit together. That actually has me hooked a lot more than I thought it would. And the more I examine it, the more I'm like, I don't necessarily want Mudrock for her kit. I have more than enough good tanks. I just want her because... Yeah, but it's Mudrock. Yeah, I want her because of how she fits into the story and how she connects to other characters and just all sorts of other stuff like that. And it's just, it's one of those things. Um... You know, I see a new character come out who was mentioned in someone else's background and th there's story potential there. That has me interested. Uh, another Chinese event has Neural's family show up and they're two new characters as well. And I'm like, oh, that's also interesting. I don't know. There's just there's something about the characterization of the backstory that keeps me interested more than anything else. Even if yeah, up until that story mode is pretty useful to care about the character and what the game has to offer. Yeah, mm. although up until the most recent two um, story-based events, like, the main plot of Arknights is not really, like, connected with me in any real way, so mm -hmm. it's pretty much always been about the characters, and obviously there's things like, it's a combination of that and not being treated like a chump by the developers. Treat us with respect... Mm. And I'll be willing to keep going for quite a bit. Mm. Yeah, it yeah. turns out that when when you say it like that, I'm immediately immediately thinking back to World Divisions. Uh oh. And while they're releasing some good stuff, there's always a but. Uh, yeah. And it just feels nice to not have to worry about a but. Yeah. Like in yeah. the what ten eleven months? When did Arknights first come out. End of January? Yeah, about that. So in getting on 11 months of playing this game, 10 and a half months, let's say, in 10 and a half months, I have yet to feel like the developers are doing me wrong. Mm. I have yet to feel like something is misvalued. I have yet to feel like I'm being forced to do something. I have yet to feel like I'm being strangle-held or held back by the systems which was my biggest complaint about Genshin and why I stopped playing that for a period of time to be determined. I haven't written that one off as never again like I did with Valkyrie, but yeah, like I'm still kind of like, I don't have a desire to play this. Yeah, turns out you want to play the games more where they're not a source of anguish and stress. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, between like feeling like I'm being respected by the developers... And on top of that, um, just the nature of the game and the immersiveness of the world and how everything connects with each other, it's kept me hooked pretty good. And I think that's kind of a big thing about that. Yeah, I can see that, for sure. Thinking of what keeps me interested in the games I play, I'm starting to realize something by putting into comparison uh, the FFB World Division games and Genshin. Okay. Well, honestly, uh, and that's part of why uh, we got this topic here in the first place, uh, because I said that I wasn't sure what World Divisions could really do to reignite my interest in the game. And that's because the systems, the world, 
are kind of uh, in a place and sure you can change the background and the background artists in FFB in particular are spectacular and uh, but it still feels like similar part of the world and similar part of the story especially since season 3 stories and something I really gel to but the latest chapter have uh, at least gone somewhere actually mm-hmm. uh, and I compare that to uh, Genshin where I'm excited uh, to see the world open up more and more not just because of uh, the story that's going to happen there but because of the world elements itself. Like right now, we already know that for 1.2, uh, there's this uh, big uh, mountain peak between uh, Mondstadt and Liyue uh, that's currently uh, just a piece of inaccessible decoration with very low-res texture when you're getting a bit closer to yes, it. Yes, I, I recall. But that's going to get fleshed out into an explorable zone, and I'm excited to step, uh, put a foot in there and see what uh, it can offer, what kind of puzzles I'll have to solve. Mm. And yeah, that's tough to look forward to. And I think it's important to have, even not specifically regarding the world, having stuff to look forward to. Yes. That's another thing agree. that gives me interest in having this objective. This I want to save and prepare, maybe pre-farm upgrade items for this character that's going to come out eventually. Hmm. Yeah, uh, on my front, um, I mean, gameplay is obviously always important. Like, if I'm not enjoying the gameplay anymore, I'm I'm gonna drop the game. You know. I did play yeah. FFBE for a really long time, and then the gameplay the gameplay just started to feel really repetitive and uh, not really that interesting, right? Um, to the point yeah. where I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm good stopping this." You know, it feels more like a chore in order to con- continue, you know, in air quotes, playing it, right? Than it is to just drop it and say, "You know what? I'm good." Um, yeah, and I think it's important for the gameplay not just to be good in an abstract way, but to allow for some fiddling, like you've uh, said before, Galen talking about Arknights and the way there was Arg that could be used in this very unique way, and having these kind of ways to have fun with the gameplay, seeing expand in directions and having options you can discover, tinker with, uh, I think that's important to have systems that accommodate from that. Mm. And unlike Valkyrie and Atomia, which uh, were having very samey characters. Ah, Valkyrie. The to-do list of how not to run a gacha. But yeah, I mean, so, I mean, obviously gameplay is really important to me, and if that's not holding me, then that's that's going to be a big reason why I'm going to, you know, end up stopping playing. You know, I I tried Sino uh, Alice for a bit, right? Yeah. That gameplay, aside from the guild, like, you can do once a day, 
I was like, yeah, this isn't really doing it for me. Nothing else really was interesting in the game. Um, so I'd say as far as for, for me, that's kind of the biggest thing that's going to hold me in, is if it's if it's got good gameplay. And not just good gameplay, but good gameplay that stays interesting. Yeah, and that's another good point you've raised up uh, talking about Sinoalis. Uh, the fact that for games such as Sinoalis and indeed World of Visions, one of the main drive for having optimized parties is PvP. While that's not necessarily the case for Genshin, because uh, you have the co-op farm and you have the bosses, some of which are solo only. And I do dearly hope that the boss they, they hint at in the 1.1 trailer is going to be uh, weakly farmable the same way the wolf and yeah, the dragon so are. Too. Of course, that does mean another way to use resin. Yeah. Lord, but the good thing is that they also give I'm really good rewards. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always happy, happy to, to use, use my resin on the wolf or the or, uh, storm pair, yeah. Yeah, because it's a fun fight. And uh, a lot of the trial fights in FFBE uh, are pretty fun too. Yeah, yeah. And having this uh, payoff for having uh, your units uh, and your party that works and does the thing you want is also important because it's no use to have this shiny new hammer if you don't have any nail. Mm. Yeah. Very true. One of the bigger content creators for Arknights apparently had the... Uh, opposite reaction to me over arguably the stupidest possible thing. So, uh, Tectone apparently just abandoned Arknights entirely for Genshin, is my understanding from the subreddit. And today... My understanding from a video I saw. Yeah, and today, uh, Genshin is... Er, today, Geister is telling me one of the primary factors. So, we didn't get a certain set of skins here in the States that we got in Hong Kong. Which was a KFC crossover. Yes, Kentucky yep, we Fried Chicken. about that, I believe. Yeah. My yeah, opinion of this was, shrug, that's international contracting for you, and KFC is a very different, you know, corporate entity here than it is in Asia. It has a very different cultural place here than it is in Asia. So it doesn't really surprise me that we don't get those skins. Like, that never really was a bigger factor for me. Apparently that was a rage quit point for Tectone. <laughs> a bolding okay. point uh, because of other factors that built up before. Yeah, I don't... I think most... From what I derived from uh, the video which I did watch, I think most of the issues were more of in a community reaction-centric uh, factor. Which is also kind of weird because I've been like on the, on the Arknight subreddit for a few weeks now and I haven't felt bad even once about the community they seem way more civil than ffbe ever did that's for sure <laughs> to be that's fair ffbe hard. kind of has this culture of going with torches and pitchfork to get what we want true <laughs> that's very fair yeah and we probably wouldn't do it so much if we didn't need to do it so much and if it didn't work so much mm. also you haven't needed to do it in a while last i heard unless you are holding out on me the ffbe segments I think that the torches on Pitchfork for the Guild Turtle Tower is why we haven't had uh, the EP uh, Ibarra event uh, fixed. Fair enough, I guess. 
I I don't know. I just of all the things, admittedly that is admittedly I've had that boiling point before. Uh, there was one RPG I played that I just found myself hating more and more and more of. And then there was a bad guy that reminded me of one of the good guys in the Expanse, and that was just where I would have like, you know what? This is just one straw too far. I, I have all these other problems, <laughs> and now you're dissing the Expanse, however unintentionally. I love that show way too much to let you. I'm out. <laughs> uh to loop it back to the topic, though, yes. I think something that is uh, indeed uh, a solid, reliable way to keep people and a lot of people interested in like, a game for a long period of time is community interaction. Yes. Mm. It's places like uh, the subreddits and the discords and uh, the forums uh, that uh, build this... Uh, relationship and that's why having uh community management uh is so important for this yeah, game i i would have quit uh i would have quit ffbe long before i actually did if it weren't for elytra and lady hero oh, yeah, and same. other bastions of the community yeah i, I would exactly. have quit ffbe a long time before i did if i weren't in you know discords and you know chatting with other people that were playing the yeah. game and yeah. there's this sense of community that that means that these mostly solo games suddenly has a social aspect and you have a place to just say hey look i did this amazing pool and it's important to keep yeah. players engaged on more than just what the game has to offer itself but what the game has to offer uh as an environment and that's Kind of why we met as well, after yeah, all. I actually met both of you through various game communities, and that's that's a big part yeah. of my social interaction just in general. Yep. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean that that social aspect definitely does, you know, come into play, uh, for sure. You know, it's not necessarily something you think out think about as far as something you're gonna say well, this is something that makes me choose to stay in a game. But now that you mention it, Rana, that, that is definitely yeah. you know, something that would uh, come into play there. And, you know, if all things being equal, if I were in a game that, you know, I enjoyed exactly the same uh, on my own, right? But I were in a community that were playing that game, then yeah, I would definitely stick around uh, longer uh, with that community than without. Though, of course, it uh, has uh, this uh, possibility for a bit of a perverse effect, and it's easy to uh, feel trapped and think that if you interest uh, Dwindle in a game, you might lose the community at the same time. I figured that's Galen part of what made uh, the decision to stop playing all of the games you were playing over a year ago now, so agonizing at first. It was. You know, it, it it's hard to lose that commonality. But I needed to do it, so I did it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously my relationship with people in various communities now is a lot chillier than they used to be because we just don't have anything in common anymore. Well, not anything uh, that you've identified anyway. Yeah. And like, it's just nice to be able to just come up to people you haven't uh, met before and talk about the latest unit. Yeah. 
And hey, it's one of the reasons I'm glad I get to do this show, is now that I am kind of starting to play gotchas in general again, however much more carefully than I used to, um, I actually, like, I get to gush about things I like, and I get to kvetch about things I don't in a fairly safe environment, which is nice. Yeah. And uh, on top of that, we're going to expand to other topics as well yep. as we got to know each other, which is nice not only because it's nice to talk about those, but because there, is, there isn't this pressure that if you lose interest in this or that game, you're going to feel held hostage by the game yeah. in a way. Um, which is also I mean, very like nice, which is a downside of any gaming community, not just gotchas for sure. Yes. Um, Lord knows, being, I know how... I know how tight the oh, Halo community is just because I'm a Rooster Teeth fan. And Rooster Teeth mm. went through a big shakeup a couple of weeks ago where two of their bigger personalities were revealed to have real, like, I, how do I put this into words? Uh, they were predators. Yeah. And it turned into a whole thing, and that thing is still going on, but, and to watch the community freak out like that was really hard. So. I know how tightly knit these communities can get, and losing a common thread with a community can be real scary. Mm. Very can, very can. Point being, look forward to Music Arcade, <laughs> uh, our future <laughs> music, video game music podcast, coming up hopefully this month. Yep, hopefully we're going to finally start that at the end of this month. And I guess that's... That's right, I went there and blindsided you. You did! You I was not expecting it. to bring that up today. <laughs> and with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the episode here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more of the games you love to hate. Have a good one, y'all. Explosions! Explosions! Bye, guys. Have a, have a good day. Or night. Whatever it is where you are. <laughs>